Yeah. All right, Becca, we're live. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Stay here. Okay, hold on. Oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. Just stay right there. Jim is already in the studio with us, and Vic is here as well. Jim is from uh, Nashville. Vic is from Canada. And don't go anywhere, Chris. Stay with us. Trying to get on, and I'll be Conversations. Um, Gino, can you hear me? I can yeah, are, hear you. are are we oh, waiting you? for um, Chris? Yeah, Chris is um, right now. He's got me. I'm. Uh, he's called me. I'm on his phone, and I'm gonna try to walk him through this. Okay. So. Uh, uh, Brandon, if I have any questions, uh, you sent it to his mail, didn't you? I did. Okay, cool. So, uh, okay, so go ahead. Yeah. Talking while they do that in the background, so our viewers don't get bored. Uh, Jim, I'm going to mute you. Are you, do you know how to un, uh, unmute and mute yourself? Uh, I haven't. Didn't know how to do that, but I can. So if I mute you and uh, it's going to ask you when I try to unmute you, it's you're going to have to accept it. Okay. So I'm going to mute you right now. All right. Okay, Vic, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so Vic, right now it's just you and me on the show until they get Christopher's um, technology and stuff figured out. What, how are you today, Vic? Good. Uh, kind of a hectic schedule. Um I just got a whole batch of videos that I'm editing to post up on my channel. Whose blind life is it anyway? They're uh, cooking shows. Oh, really? Would you like to describe these some of these cooking shows? Maybe my viewers could tune into Whose Blind yeah. Life is it anyway to watch them. Yeah, one of them is done by Mary Stores. Uh, she's got two videos up so far. Well, she will have two videos up so far. And the other one, I wanted to interview her before she actually started her video project. And she's already gotten 16 episodes down in the can. And um, I just did a marathon interview with her uh, yesterday. And it looks like we're going to have to do another interview because her life is so extensive that... Uh, She's essentially gone through authentic miracles. She's gone through um, bullying. She's gone because of her eyesight uh, and various other things. I mean, her life is so similar to mine. I, her and I became fast friends over a decade ago. And, uh, Although we lost touch uh, for one reason or another, when we picked back up on the phone, it was like we hadn't been apart at all. I mean, it's like those are the kinds of friendships you want to keep. The kind that no matter how far away you are from each other, you can resume where you left off, essentially where you, when you touch back in with each other. Mm -hmm. But uh, her cooking show, I mean, granted, she is primarily Greek cuisine, 
because she is of the Greek culture. But uh, she did all her editing, and she just is passing on the episodes to me. And um, I will be uploading her uh, episodes starting July 1st. So does so, she have her own YouTube channel? She does. It's called Zoe's Blind Kitchen Corner. Okay, great. So yeah. you could go there to look at her videos or to your channel to look at her videos? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay, absolutely. But how about you? How your How's your week been? Oh, it's going really good. I've been making more progress on my writing and I'm planning uh, the first ever Nash or annual convention here at BBE. Okay. We're, we're going to do a small get together here with a few um, of our members and people who can make it. And we're going to have um, a barbecue and a pool party and gather around the fire pit in the backyard. And I'm going to stream the NFB convention onto the big screen in the living room. So people can, as they're, you know, walk, walk in and out of the house and mingling, they can look at the NFB convention too, you know, and we're going to do it during the week of the convention. Um, okay. And right now I only have like, maybe five people coming right mm -hmm. um so it's perfect for just a little get together um and in the future if i i'll probably i think i want to try to make this an annual thing here at bbe at least as long as the conventions are the national conventions are virtual right right um to kind of help people gather in smaller groups you know because that's i know that's what um i think that's what the nfb is promoting is gathering in smaller groups and um Anyway, it seems like it, it's a good thing, right? And mm -hmm. so um, that's what we're planning on doing. Um, so You and I have to do our interview at some point. Can oh, you tell me what BBE is? Blue Butterfly Enterprises? Right. I, I want to know what it is. What it's sort of company is it? I, I'm an author, life coach, motivational speaker, as well as executive movie producer, and uh, I'm sorry, what? I'm an author, life coach. No, no, I heard that part. It's the executive movie producer. Uh, oh. Any blockbusters yet? I'm I'm producing my first movie right now. I think it's going to be pretty damn good when it comes out. Um, I I hope my viewers will like it. Um, stay tuned, everybody. Um, in the coming months, we'll be making a lot of big announcements. Um, and. As time goes on and I have more of a timeline for things, I'll be able to give you guys some. some do, do we have a working title? I've had a working title for this movie for a long time. I mean, it's just kind of evolved into um, the name of the movie. But I, I can't give it to you, though, Victor, because honestly, it's the name of the script at this point. It's not a movie right now. And because... Anything can happen between now and when it's actually on the big screen, right? Mm -hmm. Because our project might be bought by another company who will name it something different than we have the script currently named, right? So are you so actually kind of are you actually shopping it around to the major studios? Um, we may be we may be making preparations to do that. I'm not going to disclose to you what we're working on right now. No, no, of course, no, you I know, understand. It's, I don't if you've ever produced a movie but it's there's a lot of different pieces and and they're organic you know what i mean and right. they 
they kind of flow together. And honestly, this experience of making this movie, we've been working on it for like two years now, right? Mm -hmm. It's been a really awesome experience. Um, and just living, you know, we started it like six months before the quarantine. And so the quarantine happened right in the middle of it. And so the quarantine also caused it the orga or organicism of the whole thing to become mm -hmm. so much more obvious in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just been really fascinating watching this this project organically come about. Right. Um, but we are, we're, you know, we're move, moving on to next steps and I'm thinking probably a year from now, we'll probably be announcing a title and we'll probably be announcing more of a closer timeline for when we'll be done, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just, honestly, I'm just trusting God and living my life and doing what I believe I'm supposed to be doing. I'm working hard to make myself stronger and healthier in every way, you know, spiritually, mentally, uh, physically, you know, um, I'm trying to make sure all, all the different parts of my person are strong and healthy <clears throat> so that I can enjoy every minute of this experience because it, it's, it's an awesome experience building my company and building my first movie and making plans to do other projects when we're done with this first project, right? Because this is only the beginning for us. So are you involved in every aspect of it then? I have been so far now. Obviously, once we're down into the actual production of the movie, when they're like building sets and and making the movie, at mm -hmm. that point, I'm not going to be able to be so involved in it. I'm going to be right. kind of on the outskirts looking in because I don't mm -hmm. want to be in the way. But I plan on being as involved in every step of this as I can, right? So I assume you're going to be part of the casting process. Um, Possibly. I've been discussing some of that with the director. So why do you oh, ask? Oh, okay. Why do you ask? No, I'm just curious. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't... Uh come across anyone who's actually executively producing a movie yeah so because i'm the executive producer i'm kind of the boss right but i have no experience in this so i'm using the knowledge and expertise of the director and other people to help me in this process right right so um and I really feel like God has brought me some really good people to help me with this process. People who've done it before, who who know how to put a movie together right, who know how to promote it right, and and make a really good finished product. And so I'm really excited. Right, right. And, I mean, it sounds like you, you seem to know more or less what you're doing in terms of, of the business administrative side of things, don't you? So, I honestly, I'm doing my best and things seem to be going well with my company administrative-wise. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have a high school diploma and that's it. I don't even have a college education, Vic. And I don't honestly, I don't have a, a comprehension of what the average American's education is out there because my education is so skewed from the average person's and my life experience is so different than the average person's. So a long time ago, I realized that I had to stop measuring my accomplishments according to other people's accomplishments because my accomplishments were always going to look different. 
right? Right, right. Um, so, um, honestly, with the, the all of the projects I'm working on, every one of them is becoming bigger than I ever dreamed. And, mm -hmm. and there's more fruit coming from them than I ever dreamed. So I really think I'm on the right path. Did we get someone else to join us? I thought I heard somebody. I don't hear anyone. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it's important that you're growing. I mean, that's, that's the mark of a great company. I mean, at some point, you want to see it grow to enormous proportions. Oh, yeah. And we've only, like, I opened my company, it'll be two years ago in August, right? Mm -hmm. And we had the quarantine hit right in the middle of it. So I really feel like we're really So you're doing well for, for a company that just pretty much geared up oh, when everything yeah, was so going down what what really what really did it for me though was when, when the quarantine hit and everybody else w sat back and was forced to sit on their thumbs and not do anything mm -hmm. i was able to reorganize everything in my company really quick and put everything virtual so we continued producing and creating and growing during the quarantine so oh, okay stronger like I like I buckled down to my writing and Gino buckled down to his writing and his projects. And so when we came out of the quarantine, we were, you know what I mean? We were because because I was able to work on projects I didn't think I was gonna be able to work on for years and mm -hmm. get those out of the way. And you know, I just feel like I feel like because of the perspective we took here at Blue Butterfly Enterprises when the quarantine hit, and because we saw it as an opportunity since we were stuck in our homes to work on our own individual projects and focus on them and get them done and get them done well, I feel like like it really blessed Blue Butterfly Enterprises. The, yeah, it um, sounds like it. So, are, I mean, are you developing all the scripts and and different manuscripts for everything, or is it are are you getting someone else to develop the script? Okay, so the, here at Blue Butterfly Enterprises, we have a, a movie script writer and we have a, a novel script writer. I'm the novel script writer and mm -hmm. Gino Marks is the movie script writer, right? Mm -hmm. So Gino is working on movies and I'm working on books and short stories. And right. Stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, that's what we're working on right now because we're kind of forced to stay at home, but we're also gearing up to, um, because we're, when we're opening back up, we're also working on like here in the next couple of months, we'll be able to start actual produce production of the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to put a timeline on it because the director keeps stressing to me the importance of not putting time limits on anything. And honestly, I learned that a long time ago on my walk, right? Like, as human beings, our perception of time and eternity is skewed from God's. And God, right. because he ha can see all of eternity, he can make better, you know, judgment calls and stuff. So a long time ago, I tried to keep my perspective focused on his perspective, right? And it's helped me um, overcome a lot in my life because while people were trying to tell me, no, you can't do that, no, you're never going to be able to do that, I kept you know, telling myself they're wrong because I had a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's, 
honestly, that's just, I, I continued that perspective through the quarantine. And like I said, when we came out of the quarantine, um, we were, we were all so far ahead of our projects and, and I still feel like I have the wind at my back. I'm the CEO of the company. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I and the whole company, like we have the wind at our back and like, we're still making good time on, on all our projects and everything's coming together at just the right time. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the only thing I feel like I may be a little behind on is my physical body. Right. I, because I've had so many injuries to my body, even in the last few years, just stuff I've done to myself. Right. I'm having to play catch up and get my body stronger so that when, if, and when I should just say, when I'm traveling, you know, promoting our first movie and our future movies and stuff, I want to be able to get out there and travel better and not be lagging behind and having trouble keeping up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so before the quarantine ever hit, I was roommates with this, uh, stand-up comedian and we I did a lot of traveling with him we went all over the place we flew places and we drove places and and I was in a lot of different circumstances as a blind woman and I was putting you know well like I have all my life but particularly my, during my time with with EJ um, I was in a lot of circumstances where like I remember I remember at, at night and it was cold being in New York City and climbing up one of those things um we were going up to a guy's, one of somebody's apartment, right? And the steps were on the outside of the building and they were like those metal steps, right? With the rail. Right. Uh-huh. And so I was walking up one of those with EJ in the dark in New York City and it was cold, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember that it was that night that I realized that all the stuff I was learning about how to how to survive in these different circumstances that I was being put in while I was running around with EJ all those months, right? Mm-hmm. I realized that God was teaching me how to be able to move at a moment's notice and how to be able to walk through a lot of crap and with just my cane, right? And right. not know exactly what was coming next and be able to do it and survive it. And so... I just feel like the last few years in particular, like God's put me in a lot of circumstances that's helped me sharpen my edge, right? Get that, mm-hmm. get a sharper edge for being able to do whatever I want to do. And I'm so excited to get out there and travel the rest of the world. You know, I wanted to, tra- I mean, I've loved traveling ever since I got my first cane and was able to cross the street safely, right? That was the beginning of my traveling was just traveling across the street with my cane the first time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. You know, now I love to travel anytime I can. And so I'm really excited to do that with the movie once we're at that point where we're traveling and promoting it and meeting with people in other states and stuff, right? And I'm excited mm-hmm. to meet uh, the different, uh, I don't want to say movie stars, because to me, movie <laughs> stars is a term that probably isn't very valid. The actors and actresses who are gonna like be working with um, me and the director and making the movie, you know, I'm mm-hmm. excited to have the experience of meeting all these different people and learning about their personalities and and learning about just like how the stage is put together. And I mean, I've already learned so much about how the script, how to make a good script, right? These last two years while working with Gino on this project, but now we're going to be bringing in other people and we'll be learning other things, right? And right. and so honestly, 
my third memoir that I'm working on right now is I'm going to be talking about this experience that's coming up and what it's going to be like for me as a blind woman meeting these different people and learning different things from them and stuff. And mm -hmm. so, um, and so that's what I'm going to be putting into my third memoir that I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm also, I've also been writing fiction. I'm currently writing my second fiction short story. And so, um, anyway, that's just like, I'm working on my writing right now too. So, I mean, uh, they say, they say that people come into our lives for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like EJ was the, I mean, essentially to help you get through having to move everywhere at different places on short notice. Oh, I learned a lot during my friendship with EJ. Um, like I said, one thing it taught me was like how how versatile our kids really are because there were like EJ was is a sighted man and he was kind of impatient having mm -hmm. to drag his blind roommate around, right? But we we were best friends, so we hung out all the time. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there were times when my cane would start to buckle. You know what I mean? Right. Because I, I was being rushed up a set of stairs or something, right? Mm -hmm. So it, during that period of time, I feel like I was. I feel like I learned what the ability of Hello. Is, right? And right. it can take a little it can take a lot of a lot of abuse and survive. Our canes, you know, really not only are they our eyes, but but they they literally if you get a good quality cane, if you get the right kind of cane and if you know how to use it without so you don't break it, right? Mm -hmm. Um um you can, your cane can really get you through anything. Um, and so, like I said, when I was running around with EJ, I never knew what was going to happen next. Like, I, we go to sleep at the hotel, right? But next morning, we might be running off with these other comedians to go do something else, right? Right. And we were on our way back to the hotel, and EJ would get a phone call, and next thing I knew, we were going to a party somewhere, right? Right. So, I just had to be ready for anything at any time. And it was a lot like when I was a mom, right? When my kids were babies, right? You know, you have, you have to be ready for anything at any time. And... So honestly, I just, that's what I look at my life life, right? I try to look at these different things as learning, learning uh, experiences. And what did I learn from this? And how has it actually benefited me? You know, mm -hmm. did someone just join us? Yeah, I was trying to, am I in? Yeah, yeah. you're in, Jim. Oh, okay, cool. How are you, Jim? Good. Hi, I'm not even set my, uh, <clears throat> Brandon, is this, oh, is he with us? Is this okay? I hope it is. Uh, well, uh, Chris is, um, he hasn't quite got the uh, thing down with his iPhone, so he's kind of needing to review some things. Uh, so we'll okay. probably have to do this in the future with him. So we'll probably have to, maybe before next week's show, maybe Gino and him can get to together and do a test run. So. Yeah, and I've got him, I, I had him call another friend of ours, too, who's really knowledgeable, so he's going to. Work with him a bit. Great. So, Jim, do you have anything you want to talk about today? Vic and I have been talking for a while. I am sorry I missed it because I like Vic's conversation. So I was just listen. I didn't have anything in particular in mind. You know what? Let's take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll continue. Okay. 
All right. The time is now 12 p.m. Hey, everybody. Great <laughs> news. You can now get both of my books on Audible. My first book, Because You're Blind, is the story of how I went from that terrified little girl who woke up suddenly blind and brain injured at the age of 12 years old and then years later was locked down under an illegal and corrupt guardianship in the state of Montana for 15 years. It's the story of how I defeated all of that and overcame all of that. And then my second book, Changing My Perspective, is how I used my own thinking to empower myself to change my life after all of that. And now today, I am the founder and president of Blue Butterfly Enterprises, as well as host and creator of Becca's World on YouTube. And I have a lot of other great projects going on. But I just wanted to encourage you guys to check out the Audible versions of my books because they're both good stories. And you can get, there's, I have some free downloads of each book available. If you email me at info at bluebutterflyenterprises.com, I would be happy to send you a free download so you can check it out. Thank you so much for your time. And now back to the blind view. Hello. Thank you for staying tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're back to the show. Did okay. Uh, no, he's not going to be able to join us today. Okay. He, he has so to get all of his, you know, there are a lot of technicalities that he's working with it that, you know, he's okay. got to learn. But, um, you asked me a question about, I, I did have a subject I wanted to bring up. What is that, Jim? Um, about training centers for the blind. Um, I'm wondering, the population in these centers today, are, are they still feel, filled with uh, younger people or is it getting older? And how are the centers accommodating people if it is becoming an older transition? So are you asking if older blind people are getting services from training centers? Uh, not only that, I know they are. Some of them are, but I'm wondering how well the centers, you know, they, they used to be, a, we used to be a lot younger population, it seems. I don't know if we have many people who are younger going blind with all the medical improvements. But back in when I was growing up and Years after that, I mean, you know, we had a lot of people who were blind that were younger. And I'm just wondering how the centers are adjusting to old age or older age. So, Jim, I, I want to point out that, see, I've thought about the same thing that you're talking about because my perception as a blind person has changed over the years. Uh -huh. When you were blind, it seemed like there were a lot of services for young blind, or when you were young, it seemed like there were a lot of services for young blind people, right? Yeah. And now you're older, and it seems like there's only services for older blind people? Well, I mean, are you answering my question or asking me? I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to help you understand what I'm thinking and help you ask, answer your own question, maybe. Like, okay. Well. So like, when you're young and blind, your focus is young blind people, right? Not really old blind people. Well, we don't. Yeah, I'm, no, we're not talking about that kind of thing. I'm just talking about the services that they offer. I mean, what kind of new services would they offer for older people in that transition than they would for 
younger people? Would the services be different? Would they offer fewer services? Would they offer more? Oh, I think I think you'd be surprised at that, Jim. I mean, up here the CNIB has started offering uh, courses on how to use uh, mobile phones, in particular the iPhone. Really? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they they actually have. Uh, uh, sorry, I should say the CNIB stands for Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Okay. And they actually have a donor program where people can donate their old iPhones instead of throwing them away or just packing them away in a, in a corner somewhere in one of their drawers that they can actually give it to them and they can actually help train a person who's just coming to use an iPhone. And, uh, I mean, it's great training. I mean, they, they do a lot of good that way. Well, so, here. So, so, so Jim, oh, I have to know that not only Apple but the NFB, both these companies have actually taken older blind Americans into consideration as well, because I know like Apple provides training classes not only to young blind people with phones but elderly blind people too, because they understand that elderly people haven't had the exposure to computers that young people have had, right? So a lot of these elderly people who are losing vision and getting their first iPhone probably need, need a little bit more training because there may not be, you know, they're at the shorter end of the curve or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, well they I, also, I, think, I think they also understand that Apple is seeing what a lot of companies are seeing also that I mean, the baby boomer generation is just climbing in terms of population at this point. And blindness is one of the key uh, problems with the older generation at this point. Because so, and when, when we go into these training centers, uh, do they have programs for training older people in employment, older blind, older older and blind. Okay, Do so I can address that, have, Jim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So listen, when I went to Savvy Services for the Blind in Phoenix, while I was there, they added to their to their services, they added a section where they offer the same activities of daily living training. Mm -hmm. And I know they offer O&M training, and I believe they will even offer tech, tech skills training to elderly blind people, people who are just going blind for the first time in their life when they're older people. And while I was at Savvy Services for the Blind, one of my favorite teachers, um, her name is Sharonda, actually, what, Sharonda was promoted a few times while I knew her because she was such an awesome person, right? Mm -hmm. And I know one of the one of the um, things she was promoted to while I knew her was it was transition or was like she was coordinator for the the part of Savage Services for the Blind that they were opening up for elderly people. And so she was literally going into these elderly people's homes and helping them with activities of daily living and O&M and stuff like that. Right. Mm. And so those services are available. And I know that. Like in Montana, where I used to live, I think the visual services departments were offering some of those same kinds of services to the elderly people in Montana who were losing their vision. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're elderly and you're having visual problems, 
you can reach out to your local National Federation of the Blind chapter and find out if they can provide you training. Um, and that's who I would call first. And if you can't get anywhere through calling the National Federation of the Blind, I would recommend that you call, like I said, your local visual services department or call your like county government seat and find out what what services are available for the blind, whether it be transportation, um, financial help, um, housing help, you know, whatever. Um, but what do you know about the services that are currently available from then? Well, I'm I'm only 44, so I'm, these services I'm referring to are things people like you have to be a senior citizen to start getting, right? Yeah. And I, I just know that like the, the blind school here in Phoenix, it's an NFB. Uh, well, it's the it's not technically an NFB school, but they practice a lot of the NFB theology there. Mm. Um, that school, like I said, while I was a student there about. I don't know, four or five years ago was when they started their uh, started their outreach to older Americans who are going blind, exactly what you're talking about. Okay. And they and I don't want to say her name, but she she's really a really awesome person. But she she was put in charge of that part of the program, and I know, she, like I said, she was she was taking a lift out to these elderly people's homes and teaching them how to cook as a well, blind. I, I was talking about in the training centers themselves, living there though, and having feed okay. so, for months at an on end. I mean, so, yeah, how so, adaptable are the centers for people as they get older? You know, and what? So what? I went to a training center in Minneapolis for a while, and I went to a training center here in Phoenix. Uh, and at both training centers, when I was at the one in Minneapolis, it was a residential program. And so I, I was, I had a, a an apartment and a, a blind roommate, right? Here I, I have my own home, so I just did the the other part of the program here. But, um, both in the residential side of the program in Minneapolis, and through like the day program here, where you get ADL skills and O and M skills and stuff, both both sides offer offer outreach to elderly. Blind people, people, like I said, people who are going blind, or even people who've been blind their whole life. Well, they, they won't turn yeah. you away because of your age or because of your current health. So as you say, you when you say outreach, I always thought of that as going into the community and not as being there as part of the resident, and that's what I'm more interested. Okay, so it, it's outreach because she's leaving. So there's there's the so like savvy services for the blind in Phoenix where I went to school. There's their training center on it's on East Thomas. I don't remember the address, right? But that's where people go to get their their ADL training and their O and M training and their tech training and stuff, right? But there's people who go out from that place. That's why it's called outreach. Sharonda was her name. She was the one who was put in charge of the outreach from Savvy Services for the Blind, reaching out to blind older people in the Phoenix area who needed services in their homes. So she, like I said, she would go to their homes and help them. With yeah, them. but I'm not interested in what's going on in the home. I'm interested well, in what- if those services were available. I'm saying- No, I was, I was asking from the get-go, what kind of conditions do they have to face when living in a training center. I didn't That's hear you what I mean. like that. 
what kind of services do they get? What what are they, you know, as as people get older, I mean, uh, is, is do they get as much help as they need as they did maybe when they were younger? So I have to say that I've heard stories of various residential places like that that. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people they say they're put in the wrong in the wrong room with the wrong person or or yeah whatever the case. You know, I mean at the end you have somebody else that you have to learn to learn to live with. Right. Who happens to be blind as well. So you kind of get that sense of yes, I'm independent on my own. Mm -hmm. But I also have this person here who maybe will ask for my help or maybe I'll ask for their help and they'll know something that I don't or I'll know something that they don't. And that's uh, the way it was with me when I was in the uh, training center in Chicago, basically. Mm -hmm. The residents were the ones that really were helpful. They... You know, they, they help each other to learn. They show great patience with each other. But the authorities, the ones that were in charge of the training center, uh, in my opinion, left a lot to be desired. And did, so did some of the services, you know. I mean, uh, even some of the services that were offered were really watered down, you know. What I find really interesting is that a lot of the services that I heard Becca list off mm -hmm. didn't include employment training. Uh-huh. And yeah. that's really sad because a lot of people, elderly people who are going blind or who are blind, essentially have the only thing left to them, which is their brains, to... Yeah to deal with things and if their brains aren't active and this is known scientific fact if their brains aren't active how are how are they supposed to learn to deal with new things so and that's what i say i mean and that's why i wonder if the services uh, in the residential centers really promote what you're talking about keeping people's brains sharp uh, right giving unemployment training um you know I mean, you can play bingo all day and weave baskets, but uh, that's certainly not the potential of a lot of people. They have much more potential than that. And right. So I, I, I just kind of wondered, because really, in Chicago, I felt really sad. I couldn't wait to get out of there. because I really just didn't think that they were uh, as enthusiastic, let us say about right. promoting the welfare of the blind as far as getting them out in society and getting them involved in things and saying, hey, you know, you can do this as well as anybody else. You right. Know, it and, used to be that and, attitude, but it wasn't when I was there the last and that And that's a pity, really, because a lot of these elderly people worked for so long in a particular They really did, yes. You know, and then they went blind and couldn't perform their old duties, but they can perform new ones. Exactly, and this is but what nobody I'm... investigates that. Exactly, and nobody invests in that. You know, I mean, when right. I talk to the people in in Chicago that ran the Ikey Wood Institute, I, I said, "Hey, 
how come you're not, you know, you know, how come you're not really teaching people Braille? You may teach them the basic alphabet, and that's all you're doing. Why is that? And I remember getting Mike Nooner said to me, look, you know, these people are older, you know, they don't want to really learn anything. We we give them the basics in Braille, teach them the alphabet, and basically that's all they want to learn. That's that's all we do. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really depressing, you know. So, no, and I agree with you 100%, Jim. Hey, so FYI, Jim, when I was going to Savvy Services for the Blind, I definitely got the impression that, yes, they weren't giving the elderly people all of the intensive stuff we were getting at the day program because they were right. going to their homes and stuff. Uh-huh. But, but they were making the those elderly patrons aware that if they wanted the training to come and learn how to read read braille and how to use a computer that it was available to them like i saw elderly people come into the center to learn things oh and i and nobody would dispute with you and i wouldn't and i and i would say that that's good for especially because people who come there after hearing about that they really do want to take advantage of it mm-hmm. but but as far as the people that live in these places and have to stay there you know and and get feedback from the authorities that help stimulate and motivate them. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that they're really interested in doing that for older people whom they may feel, you know, they've had their time, and, you know. And it's just kind of sad because, like Vic said, you've got a lot of people who are blind, and just because they retired from work, doesn't mean that they still don't have it all together and could be very useful, you know. Oh yeah, they could be volunteering somewhere, or they could. There's and, so many things they could do. Yeah, and these are things that if you're in a training center, they could teach you to do, get you interested in, help find things for you to do. Mm. Well, honestly, the training when I went to the training center, their goal was, I mean, the ultimate goal was that I'd be going to school or work or, and so I'm assuming when it comes to elderly people that if they're not going to school or work, that the goal is that they'll be doing something on a volunteer basis or something to make their lives better, right? To get them more socially active or something. Exactly. So shouldn't that be part of what a, of their regiment when they go to a training center is to give them classes or activities or things that would lead toward accomplishing that? I, you know, I'm assuming I'm, I'm. I have never been an older blind person yet, but <laughs> I'm assuming that when I get there, I'll experience the same thing that I think the the other blind older blind people are already experiencing. They're probably being given options by their voc rehab counselors or whoever's helping them in their their processes, options of different activities they can get involved in, um, to to you know network and. And well, you're assuming that, and I'm talking about experiences that I've heard from other people who have lived at the center. Right. Okay. So I mean, can, that can, not, can that share those actually experiences with us, Jim, if that's what you want to talk about. You know. Excuse me. Share some of those explicit, some of those specific experiences with us, please. Well, I mean, how can I possibly do that, Becca? Well, how can I'm I just, respond to them then? I'm just saying that you know. Um, I mean, my experiences, I've been sharing it. And when I was there, I just told you about some of those. Uh, we never really had any uh, activity and recreation. Uh, 
either in sure and you couldn't even use the exercise rooms in the center because you had to have a supervision and you know there was insurance you had no director no no you know you had a, a an activities director so when, when you were there, did they teach you to use your cane and go out with your cane and mobilize around your community well that's nice that's good if people want to do that and they did with some but even that was faulty because uh, they didn't have enough teachers there to make it accurate as a matter of fact my experience was they told me well you know you've been around long enough and we've got a shortage of teachers and we know that you used to travel on your so we're not going to give you the mobility skills right now because it's based on you know uh, who needs who who's top priority? So, yeah, and the top priority is usually the younger generation. And, and either that or yeah, or so. And so I'm like, hey, that seems to me to be unfair. That's very inadequate. You got this center. I came here for mobility instruction. Are you going to tell Jim, me, Jim? Did they teach you to use your cane? Did they teach you how to swing it from left to right? What what difference does that make? Because what I'm saying to you is, if they taught you basic O&M skills, then they gave you everything you need to get out there in the world and make something. Like, what I did was I took what they gave me, I took those O&M skills, and I started, like, way back when I, in, when I was in my early 20s, the first time they gave me a cane and O&M instruction with it, what I did was I got out on the bus and I started meeting people. And I started well, that's great, people. but I think that's off the subject and that's not really what well, I was... what I'm saying to you, Jim, is I think your problem is that they're giving you the training, but they're not saying to you where to go use it. You need to... That is not the problem. It. That was not the problem at all. Okay. Not at all. I think, I think what he's... If I can try to paraphrase... Yeah, please. I think, I think what Jim is saying is that Unfortunately, organizations are tending to focus their rehab and their O&M training and all that other stuff on the younger population as opposed to the older population because they're viewing the older population as what's the point. And in I many think... cases, this is true. Yes. Well, yeah. So when you were younger, did you not get O&M training that you could not have done? I mean, you could have done something with it when you were I younger. don't understand why it is that you want to continue to blame the people themselves without realizing that there may be some problems with the resources. Oh, the, I, I, know that, I know there are problems with resources. Believe me, where I come from, there were no resources for the blind. They were hard to get any resources. And I had to learn how to make my way with very little resources. So once I got into a place where there were vast resources, I took up. But it was only because I took the initiative to go do something. Well, with so that's great. You can do that. A lot of people well, can't. Well, all the blind people can. What? If and, you're blind, all it takes is that cane. Learning how to use that cane. Well, I think you're quite wrong. And I think you're quite wrong. And I really don't think that you're looking at the overall picture. It's nice to say that you accomplished something because you got out there and you took your cane and made your way in the world. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And it's good even to promote that people do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm so talking about talking actual about. conditions that people live under and what they are actually being offered 
um, to help them better their lives now uh, as an older population. That's what I want. Yeah. Are they, are they yeah. there to fill up the rooms and fill up the place, or are they there because they're going to accomplish something? And right. Now, when you say they, are you talking about the blind people that are there? Or well, I'm talking about the residents, yes. Well, so but you're talking about the elderly residents. Resident. It's up to the yeah. resident or the blind individual with what they're going to do with what they're taught. Well, and yeah, but again, make a, again, that's not what, what we're taught. focused on. What? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. So what are they taught? Just what are they given? That's what we're asking. So at, at, at those, if, if an older blind person were to go to one of those training centers, they would be taught all the same things I was taught as a young blind person. They would be taught O and M. They would be taught uh, Braille. They would be taught how to use a computer with. Oh, that's or what they should be taught. Yeah, but but who? Are, but, but an elderly blind person has to go do it. Like I said. It's right there. But, Becca, the question is, this is what we're asking. You're talking about that's what they'll be taught. And I'm saying, is that true? Is that what they're actually going to be taught? And I say that they put themselves in the position and they participate and they're willing to learn and use those. You talk like a conservative who thinks everybody has to live like, you know, that they should see the same things you see. Okay, now wait a minute. That's Why not is true. there a conservative in there? We were talking about blind people going to training centers. Yes, but that conservative attitude comes through because I see conservatives painting roads saying, yes, well, you can do it. It's there. There's nothing wrong. You're just not taking advantage of what's there. Well, that's the problem. That's no, the problem. it isn't. That's not the problem in all cases. And actually, you can't. Actually, I have to agree with Jim. You can't really make a blanket statement like that because each individual is different. And yeah, I'm but gonna... if you are an individual who has been offered the training, and if you've gotten it, or if you refuse it, it's on you. And if you got yes, it, no, I agree. If you it, refuse it, yes. And I'm going to tell you a story that may or may not clarify the matter back in 2002 when i when i went blind i went blind between april and december of that year and my rationale to me and this, and like i said this is all on me my rationale to myself was that okay, I should hold off on the training because I want to see what my final vision is going to be. But that was bullshit. Because in the end, I should have gotten the training from the jump. Mm -hmm. Because when I finally did get the training and looked for those resources, for example, the CNIB up here had a, uh, an employment service program that essentially gave you not only a uh, an aptitude test, which essentially figured out your skills and what you should do for a living, what you you would be good at, but it also placed you in certain positions, thereby opening the door for you to either get a job or place you in uh, in a position that will give you the experience to get a job. I went into that program and 
they shut it down due to lack of funding. I started to learn Braille at the CNIB, and they shut it down due to lack of funding. Well, that and plus the teacher moved down to Florida. Why she moved mm -hmm. to Florida, I have no idea. But either way, that sort of thing is what I'm saying. People yeah. wait so long because they're not sure what's going to happen, especially at the onset. I mean, on the onset, a person's life is so tumultuous. I mean, I went through a ton of emotions when I went blind back in 2002, and I couldn't think straight for the he uh, to save my life. Not only that, I was freshly married. My daughter was freshly born. Uh, I had my wife's in-laws staying with us in our home. I mean, it was sheer madness. And did you Chaos. get the support you needed from people who you would have gone to for, you know, as your resources for help? I ended up not getting any. See, and this is and this is what I'm talking about. You know, you can offer all these programs and all these incentives. Well, wait, 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 wait. I want to hear from Vic why you are not getting anything. I'm sorry. So, Vic, why did you not get anything? You didn't contact the CNIB. They never. Well, they were in a transition. Apparently, this is what they said, quote unquote, and they had to stop the programs because of lack of funding for a while. Okay, now I haven't seen that happen here in the United States. Um, no, I, I understand that. I understand that. Well, here, I see it happen here in the United States quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it and depends. And I live here, so don't that's tell why me I it say doesn't happen. You can't, you can't make a blanket <laughs> statement like that, right. Becca, because a blanket statement like that doesn't isn't the case with every person out there. So, what? I applaud. Don't get me wrong. No, no. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I applaud your get-go. I applaud the fact that you took the bull by the horns and fought your way out there. Yes. That's that's great for you to do that. Having said that, not everyone can do that. You look at a person who is freshly blind, and yeah, they can get O&M training. Yes, they can get computer training. Yes, they can get ADL. But at the end of the day, what they really need is support. Yes. And no, the define support. Define support, please. Supports as in... Support? I'm like talking you? about employment supports. I'm talking about... Family support. support. Support emotional friends. support. That's right. Yes, emotional well, they support. Get, they should get all of that prior or during their training. Well, of course right, they should, they but they don't. They don't. They don't. That's the thing. A lot of, a lot of these places, unfortunately, I think, comes with acceptance to the blindness and adjustment to the blindness. Yes, and unfortunately, these places. So that's on the individual. A lot of these places, unfortunately, only concentrate and I on with you the actual training. I'm sorry, they don't concentrate on the person's mental health. 
Right. And stop saying that it's all on the individual. That's very selfish and not understanding at all. So it may not be understanding, but... But nothing. It's wrong. The government can throw all kinds of money at a blind individual. Um, This is where the conservatives come in. And and not going to put a foot forward because they don't see uh they don't see potential in in their future then, then there's nothing the authorities can do no matter how but much why are you always trying to blame it on the individual that's what you always do and that really is annoying i'm not blaming the individual but what i'm saying is the individual has a huge level of responsibility here well of course because what uh, once once you like if you're put in a position where you're offered all of the services and the training and you choose if you choose not to go take advantage of the services and the training, that's on the individual. Yeah, but that's not what we were talking about, is it? That's something you brought up to assign fault to the individual. But that's not what we said. But you yeah. said I... So what are I you mean, saying? We're saying that essentially these places, yes, they'll give you on them training, but guess what? After the hour's done, you're on your own. And like yeah, I told exactly. you, they told, and like I told you, you uh, they I, and you go do something with it. Well, wait a minute. Now, I told you that I can't went to a place specifically for mobility instruction, and they turned me down and said I was not amongst their priority. And well, I'm, you know, because of his age. So how how was that my how was that my fault? Listen, he's been blind his whole life, Vic. You can't say that they're treating him bad because he's an older blind person. He he should have gotten this training years ago. And I suspect. Oh, you see, you see, instead of trying to solve the problem, you want to assign fault and blame to the individual. And that's what a lot of conservatives do. That's what a lot of conservatives do. Are in politics, they assign fault to the individual. So you don't have to find a solution to the problem that's really taking fault, place. But I'm assigning responsibility. No, it's you are assigning fault. The individual to take what they learn at these training centers and to take the training they're given by yes, the Yes, we understand that, but that was not in the Wait a minute, guys, guys, guys. Tomato, tomato. What Jim calls responsibility, you're uh, sorry, what Jim calls fault, you call it responsibility, Becca. Mm-hmm. What you call responsibility, Jim calls fault. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems that you're both saying the exact same thing, only at the end of the day, each well, person, so- it, I mean, you can't really, you can't, each, you know, voc rehab does not one size fits all. And that's unfortunate because that's all these places do. One size fits all. You do it this way, you do it the way we teach you, and that's it. If you're even taught. Yeah. And this is what Becca is saying. That, well, look, all these things are available to you. If you're not taking advantage of it, then it's your fault because they are there. And I'm saying they're not there. They should be there, but they are not there. And you cannot go around making statements and then saying that, well, you didn't take advantage of what I I stand on what I said. The training is out there. And 
It is out there. It's being paid for by taxpayers. There are both rehab counselors. Yes, there are long waiting lists. Yes, at sometimes there are budget cutbacks. But you need. And then there's COVID, right? Put on the waiting <laughs> list to eventually get the training. Well, that's great. That's great. But and, like, you can't hold me responsible for the fact that there's not unlimited resources everywhere. Well, nobody won, and nobody even said that. Nobody's even talked about that. You, you know, know, I was. Uh, that I'm not admitting that some people don't get what they need right now. Well, all I'm saying is there are limited resources, and there are limited people who are working on. Like, do you know what the workload is of the average work rehab counselor? I really don't care because it's not I, my fault. It's not my fault that they have overloaded their counselors and not been able to give the services properly to those who deserve them. That's something that they should deal with. And I have no sympathy for caseworkers who are overloaded because that's that's a sad, terrible thing. And it's been going on with Volk Rehab for years and they've never changed it. And you know what? It's it's really ironic because what Becca is describing, I mean, she says she's had no education save for a high school diploma. Uh -huh. And I've been to college and we were given and a project. I we were given a project in Poly Side where we were given a certain amount of money, that being two hundred dollars, and we were supposed to decide what a family should get out of those two hundred dollars. And I found myself doing what Rebecca was doing, essentially telling them, well. You know, you can go to the food bank and get money. They don't have to, you don't have to give them that much money for food. You don't have to give them this because they can go to the employment center and just apply for this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of money out there, yeah. But at the same time, a lot of times these people don't know that it's there also. They really well, don't. I talking about the government just giving people cash money. I'm just No, no, I know I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying as a as an example, this is the project we were given in order to teach us what the government has to go through in terms of doling out money to the various uh departments of the state. Mm. You know? Did they, and, did they and, my wife was telling me today, we were just talking at lunch, and I and she was telling me how there's this place called Fife House, which deals with HIV and AIDS patients. Mm -hmm. And in the center that she works at, there are roughly about 96 to 106 residents living there. And in another center, they have about 20 to 25 residents. And in the residence with a hundred people, they've got one person cooking in the kitchen. Oh. In the residence with 20 to 25, they've got three people cooking in the kitchen. Now that's strange. It is strange and, and it's really stupid. And and it's the same thing. I mean, I was dealing with this with my wife earlier with her employers. The fact that in the end, she was given a half hour break, but she wasn't allowed to take it because she couldn't leave her position. Oh, you shortage of staff? Well, yeah, she's the only staff at night. 
<laughs> and you know, and they wanted her to take they want her to take an hour break, but she still gotta carry the on-call phone number. Wow. You know, I mean so anything just, comes up, she's gotta be right there. Oh, yeah, it's oh. it's amazing what some of these organizations want get their by. workers to do. And overload their workers. Right. Just yeah. really just yeah, and it's, I agree. it's a terrible thing. I agree. I think I think Jim and I are more for the the labor side of things, whereas Beck is more for the business well, side. The biz- well, not the even that. No, I, no, I don't think it's that. Individual responsibility. Yeah, I think I think it's more Becca's into the the. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Well, but the thing is, when Becca brings up the thing about responsibility, I mean, we all know that that is obviously a part of what has to happen when a person gets involved with these things. But yeah. when we bring up the the fact that these things are uh, not right and that there are deficits where they shouldn't be, and then Becca, you come on and say, well, uh, if your persons were responsible, maybe there wouldn't be. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it does... It does seem like Becca is doing placing the fault on the person, but at the um, same time, it's so, she's not. Listen, she's not. listen. I've tr- I've experienced these training centers. They give a very well-rounded, complete, pretty much well-rounded, complete training. Where how many of you been in? And succeed at anything in life as a blind person if you choose. How to. many of you been? But it's the choosing to. It's the individual's responsibility. They're responsible for whether or not they choose to take that training and go do something. With how it. many? So then it falls back on the individual. How many of those training centers have you actually been in? I I started my training at um, Blind Inc. in Minneapolis, and I finished it at Cyber Services for the Blind here in Phoenix. So and two here in Phoenix. Now, so can I ask you something, Becca? Have you actually worked in those places, or in any of those places as a voc rehab counselor? Oh my gosh, I would love to work at a training center. I would love to be a voc rehab counselor. Honestly, that's my only job goal, other than what I'm currently doing, is being a voc rehab counselor. Because I would love to. I would I, love to be a voc rehab counselor and inspire other blind. Have you have you worked in it? Things. Have you done it before, though? Have you worked in these places? No, I have not. I have not. But, and I think, Becca, I think that's the problem. Okay, well, no, no, I think I think that's the problem, Becca. I have a friend who could tell you horror stories. She is a voc rehab counselor, mm-hmm. and they're working her eighteen hours a day practically, mm-hmm. and only get only paying her for eight. Well, there you go. Like I said, the voc rehab counselors are overworked, guys. Yes, they are. Well, if they're overworked, then that means that they're not going to be able to do the best job when it comes to serving their clients. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're and I think that's and underfunded. You really can't blame right. the system. So all I that mean... can happen is the individual needs to rise up and, and make it work. Oh, come on. That is just ridiculous. It is not ridiculous, Jim. I mean, yeah, when I was, wait, wait. In this Look. world and in our country, we have risen above the fray and risen above expectations and made something wonderful of themselves. 
blind individuals as well as sighted individuals. Well, nobody is arguing that point, point, but that's not what you just said. I think there's too many blind questions. people and sighted people who like sitting around complaining. And I think there's too many conservatives who don't really care about the real picture of what's going on and like to say things like you just stated. Jim, why are you trying to turn this into a political discussion? You're the one who wants it to talk is a about political discussion. And you're trying to turn this into a political discussion. Good grief. <laughs> All I'm saying is, listen, that's how I succeeded. And listen to me. If you're watching my show right now, and if you're a blind viewer, I hope you're hearing my voice and not Jim. And mine. If you take responsibility for your own success in life and take what hope we have gives you, you will succeed. Do and not I, listen to Jim. And I say that if you're going into these training centers and you know that you're not getting what you need and it's holding you back, then don't blame yourself and don't feel guilty, but continue to try, continue to communicate with the authorities, but don't let yourself feel down as an individual. Okay, wait, not, I, I'm yeah. feeling left out. You guys got a message, so I've got one. <laughs> okay? The fact is this. When you go to Dairy Queen, get yourself a soft serve. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we can all agree on that. I think so, yes. I want hot fudge on my soft serve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, You know what? I have to apologize to the viewers and to you guys. I have to go because I have an appointment. But I, I will here too. definitely be here next week. Me too, okay, Becca. Nick, if Becca will better. have me back, that is. <laughs> thank you for joining me today, Jim and Nick. Thank, thank you, you for, for having us, us Becca. World. Thank Please you. Like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Jim, were you saying something? I just said thank you. Thank you for watching Becca's World. Please like, share, and subscribe to my channel.